0: Okay, we we have a special backcountry BSing. It's it's brewery BSing. It's brewery BSing, so we are at Endeavor Brewing Company here in Columbus, Ohio, Ohio. hanging out with Scott. Um, If you're wondering why we're randomly in this brewery, it's not random. A couple weeks ago, Scott was gracious enough to host a live stream we did with REI. Uh, we found out that Scott's actually way more of a legit backpacker than we are. And a mountaineer, way more experienced so, than we would even have. <laughs> we obviously uh, wanted to do a BSing with him, so here we are in Endeavor. How's it going, Scott? It's going well. Yeah. Going well guys, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. thanks for allowing us to come into a brewery. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Dude, um, we don't get to do this very often, so that's awesome. How about just uh, just give like a quick like one minute a little bit about yourself? Yeah,
1: you know, I so I grew up right here in Grandview Heights, Ohio, right here in the middle of Columbus. I was always into outdoorsy camping. My family had a cabin down in Baroque State Park down there, kind of near the Hocking Hills. Always grew up around outdoorsy stuff. Got into backpacking. when I was in middle school, high school, ended up graduating, moving out to Boulder, Colorado, for
0: university. The coolest place to go to school.
1: Really cool <laughs> place. That's when I fell in love with craft beer. Really got into mountaineering, alpine stuff. And after that I got a chance to live in Scotland for a year and then moved to Chile, spent four years down there. I've climbed a few different continents, a few big mountains all over the world, done a lot of different smaller peaks, uh, done 500 miles on a kind of divide trail, a year-long road trip from Alaska to Patagonia, Jungle <laughs> trips. I've been all over the place, done a lot of crap. Uh, and it's funny that when you start listing stuff, how weird it sounds. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't sound, sound weird to us. It sounds just, amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of, you just keep living your life. Living your life. I had my 40th birthday this last year nice. and uh, have a son now, you know that changes dynamics <laughs> yeah. a little bit, but I'm really excited to have some
0: adventures with him as he gets older. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we we ask everybody the same stupid question: How did you get into backpacking? We kind of explained it. Yeah, yeah. I guess. yeah.
1: Well, you know, my first reel, I, I was in Boy Scouts uh-huh. uh, when I was younger. I stopped after I think seventh grade, but in the seventh grade, going into seventh grade, I think it was, uh, I got a chance to go to Philmont. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so my dad and I went with our troop, and that was my first real backpacking experience. Okay. I think that was, what was that, like 1991 or 2 or something, way back in the day. And after that it was something that I started reading up on, I got a subscription to Backpacker magazine. You know, I, I kind of geeked out through middle school and high school on outdoor stuff, which was really weird at the time. Kind of nerdy, and you know no one at like, this guy in high you. Yeah, yeah, that
0: stuff.
1: You know, uh, that, that was kind of one of my things that really inspired me to go to the University out of Colorado too.
0: So uh, that's pretty sweet. So your your outdoor passion steered you towards Colorado. So then, so then, how did you kind of transition to the mountaineering stuff? Yeah, that's a good question.
1: Yeah, you know, I I did a lot of backpacking. I still do, and I, I think mountaineering is really backpacking with a. Vertical goal instead of a linear goal. It's like a oh, much more dangerous
0: form of background. <laughs> that's what it sounds like. Well,
1: it, it can be, and it can't be. You know, I think I'm actually happiest in a place like Colorado, yeah. not doing, you know, a lot of people say mountain area, they have this crazy image of like ice climbing right, right. and like weird alpine track. Yeah. And my favorite thing to do are sort of. Uh, class three class four richards where you don't actually need gear maybe you need a helmet depending on exposure Which is kind of moving and flowing using your hands a lot scrambling over stuff and if you make a peak or not it doesn't really matter you're just having fun on the journey but the fundamental difference between mountaineering with a vertical target is you count vertical feet and miles kind of go out the window okay so the approach you're like oh it's a nine mile round trip but really it's four and a half thousand vertical yeah, feet up right. and down, you know, that's what matters and it could be in a mile or two Yeah, you don't care about linear distance. It's all about the vertical feet. So you got into that in Colorado. I did Yeah, so I started out doing some rock climbing uh, dabbling Dabbling in mountain stuff. I've got the ice axes yeah. and got some winter stuff as well really learned that that was sort of my Forte, I'm, I'm kind of short and stocky, so like I'm actually built for mountaineering and yeah. rock climbing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't yeah, really yeah. reach so far, <laughs> my footwork isn't that great, you know. And anyway, uh, so so I ended back in 1999, then I actually had a chance after my sophomore year to go over to the Himalayas and climb in okay. northern okay. India. This is what we, oh, want, we want to hear about. Yeah. So that is what kind of really kicked me off on. Glacier mountaineering and that sort of thing. So um, what's the highest elevation you've been to? So the highest elevation I've been to is Aconcagua, which is the border of Chile and Argentina. Okay. It's just under twenty three thousand feet. Wow. And it's the highest mountain in the world that's not in the Himalaya.
0: Really? Yes. I didn't know okay.
1: that. That's that's in the Patagonia area, right? That's well it's actually central central okay. Chile. So basically right between Santiago and Buenos Aires. Uh, Mendoza, Argentina is okay. the staging point for that. Wine country, all that. Okay. Uh, Patagonia doesn't have much altitude, so Fitzroy like on our cans and on my T-shirts. Yes. My son's name too is Fitzroy. Nice. Uh, the altitude there isn't big. Uh, Torres del Paine also, so if you're talking about backpacking, like the W and the O down in. Oh, yeah, the, the yeah Torres yeah. del Paine is the world-class backpacking. You guys are talking about going there. Yeah, that yeah. is where you That's want where to go. Unbelievable! So highly recommended. Yeah, altitude's not an issue. Right? Okay, it will rain on you for yeah. fifty-eight days. Yeah. Ooh, winds can be insane and just constant yeah. five, 40 mile forty-mile-an-hour winds just beating you to death. But uh, altitude's not an issue.
0: Um, so what did you? What do you have to do to? Per- it's where we know nothing about mountaineering. <laughs> yeah, no. If there's a trail, we'll just walk up the trail. Yeah, what talk yeah, about like, like what, do you, what do you have to do to plan to like go to twenty three thousand feet? Like, how do you accomplish that?
1: Yeah, that's so. So first of all, you have to. There's a few different styles of mountaineering, right? So one is alpine style, which is fast, light, and quick, and the other is more expedition style climbing, and that's where. So for example, Aconcagua. If you're trying to do it alpine style, you try to climb it in basically a day. Oh, From okay. an advanced place. So like fast
0: packing. Kind of,
1: fast packing, yeah. but you have to be pre-acclimatized. Yeah, right. So you will have spent days and nights at altitude yeah. getting yourself ready, and then you just you hit it up. Uh, expedition style is where you actually climb to allow your body to acclimatize during the climb. You ha- just like if you're going on a long trail, you have to be in really good shape going into it. You don't get in shape. On the Continental Divide Trail or on the Trail? <laughs> a lot of people do. Some people try that. Uh, you're always better. You have to have your baseline skill. But even coming from Ohio, you can train and just be in shape, really hammering your legs, right. getting your yeah. lungs. But mountaineering is kind of a very different, a different uh, I guess you'd say, type of shape. Than running for example yeah so a lot of times distance runners in mountaineering are almost polar opposites really in the sense that you never want to elevate your heart rate while you're mountaineering so you're slow and steady and as you go up in altitude you often slow your pace and your cadence with your breaths it's all about breathing and you take a step and you take a breath and when you get higher you take Two breaths in one step. Is it a little higher? Three breaths in one step. Is that like just so you don't overexert yourself? Exactly, because the minute you start overexerting yourself, you start depleting oxygen levels. That's when you're really at greater risk for altitude-related illnesses. So it's really all about breathing, which in typical backpacking, you you don't really think about that. No. In Wayne National Forest. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I try to do that at Wayne. I I try to watch my heart rate. Uh, Uh, Have you ever gotten into like. a, like a, a, da- a seriously dangerous, dangerous situation at altitude. So,
1: I've seen some other people yeah. in dangerous examples. So, when I was on Aconcagua, there was a guy who ended up summiting a little bit behind us, who probably never should have, because yeah. he was in rough shape from altitude yeah. when he arrived there. So, okay. it ended up being sort of this group effort of getting this guy down the mountain. I mean, literally had him hooked up to a rope and a guy kind of half lowering him and he was stumbling Uh, down and spread his gear out and had to get him to an oxygen tent back down to Advanced Base Camp. And I think Advanced Base Camp there is 19,000 or something. So it's about a 4,000 per summit day. Wow. Um, And so we had to get him down to that point, get him some oxygen, get him that kind of stuff. That was was rough. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think personally, like I was out in a, a good buddy of mine, John, we were out in Indian Peaks Wilderness, just uh, west of Boulder in Colorado, the right. Nathalem an area, and there's a really cool, fun mountain that's uh, Arapaho Peak, South Arapaho and North Arapahoe. And you can get up South Arapaho just on a trail. Just walk on up, and it's 13 13,500 feet. It looks over to Rocky Mountain National. Oh, nice. You can see Long's Peak from there and the glacier that feeds uh, boulder's whole water supply, and a lot of Denver's too. But then they've got this like Class Three ridge route that wraps around for about three quarters of a mile yeah. to North Arapaho. That's really kind of scrambly and not super technical, but okay. a lot of fun. Yeah. And so John and I did that. And so we got up there, we went around the ridge route, we got on the other peak, and then we looked off, and what had been blocked for us by the entire ridge the entire time was this big thunderstorm coming. Oh. <laughs> you know, and that's always the risk in Colorado. We right. were right. up there. Yeah. This is probably. 11 o'clock in the afternoon, it looked like a beautiful, gorgeous yeah. sky. You always want to try to be off the peaks in Colorado in the summer by noon. okay? Right? okay. Because those afternoon thunderstorms yeah, can be legit. Right, right. And we were like, oh, shit. Yeah. So we had to scramble <laughs> back across <laughs> of all this stuff, and just as we were getting back to that last little, the safe part, so to yeah. speak, and going down this tail is when the thunder started coming in, and the rain, and you know, the lightning up there—it's just sketchy. Yeah. As we're going down these uh, this Taylor scree slope, I just hear this "oh crap" behind me, oh, and I turned around. This huge like slab of rock was just like sliding oh, down. For me. And I kind of like jumped up in the air. It was almost like this Matrix like something. <laughs> I don't know. It ended up like clipping my heel, cut my hand a little bit, but I was I was fine. We got down. That was probably the the sketchiest moment. Sounds pretty sketchy.
0: I've ever had yeah. uh, in the mountains, and
1: I guess I'm blessed with that.
0: That's not. I mean, we have. Where you you gone? Like that. that's, yeah. that's not that bad. Yeah, that's I mean, not that bad. You've yeah. got. You've come out pretty unscathed. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of hard to say, like, pick like a mountain range that you feel is like probably like your most favorite, but like His you've been named you, after one. I know. I, <laughs> I mean, you've been all over the world. Like, what? What? It, like, what mountain range or what place do you feel like probably for you is, is your most favorite place to go to?
1: I think that's really kind of, you know, it's very actually a similar question when people ask you, what's your favorite kind of beer? Right. Like, what's your favorite mountain? What's your favorite region? Yeah. What's your favorite range? And, well, what's the weather like? What's the temperature like? Yeah. What's the trip like? And I have a few favorite areas, like Colorado to me in the Rockies. I feel super comfortable out there. I know the train really well. Uh, I've done a lot of the f- 13,000 to 14,000 peaks yeah. out of there, and I can just have a lot of fun playing there. I kind of consider a second home. My parents have a house out there, and I spend as much time as I possibly can yeah. out there. Um, and that's just fantastic. So, right. for scrambly, alpine type stuff, it's just gorgeous. Uh, there aren't any real glaciers, though, so if you want glacier mountaineering type stuff, I mean, Alaska is just amazing. Denali is such a beautiful mountain and the Pacific Northwest, North Cascades, North of Seattle there, unbelievable also. I'm also a huge fan of like Utah for desert stuff, so Canyonlands, Escalante, the Moab area, there's unbelievable Anasazi ruins, archaeology, all that sort of
0: thing. You can see why we're talking to him. (laughs) (laughs) So so, um, have you done much like mountaineering in Alaska? So I've only climbed Denali
1: in Alaska. Only. So the, the main <laughs> <laughs> thing. yeah. I have a, a really good buddy of mine, Caleb, uh, lives in Juneau, Alaska. Okay. So his dad's from there originally. He, I went to middle school, high school with him here in Grandview, and then after college he moved up there. So I been up to visit him a couple times, right. Done some hiking, um, met, so my wife and I, when we were engaged, we took a year-long road trip, and oh, we nice. drove to Alaska so I could climb Denali, she did a mountaineering class while we were up climbing the mountain and then we drove north to up the hall road to dead horse alaska right then turned around and drove south (laughs) (laughs) oh my god and uh that was was great um but yeah denali is the only climbing climbing i've done there but it's like anything else because you literally fly on a ski plane onto the glacier uh, and you're on glacier the whole time Unless you jump up on a rock or
0: marine or right, something. Right, oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. You're literally on snow and ice pretty much the entire trip. So how do you how do you get your mountaineering fix in in the central Ohio area? <laughs> <laughs> you plan trips. Basically. <laughs> not um, <all> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: I mean Ohio, like as you guys know, Ohio's got a lot of great subtle beauty to it. Right. You know, subtle it's beauty. like you I come, like come across term. a pond yeah, yeah, like yeah. old growth forest yeah. on a beautiful trail and you know, when you can avoid the mosquitoes and the humidity. Yeah. And you get some crisp
0: fall air. Yeah. Right um, Ohio can actually be very nice about Ohio backpacking. Well, you probably agree with us that like the late fall is probably the best time to be out in Ohio. Yeah,
1: one hundred percent. In the winter, on like the nicer, yeah. drier weekends, you're not dealing with mud and you're not dealing with mosquitoes. Yeah. And like I, it's actually when you're moving and you're moving in a layer or two, yeah. Yeah. it's actually so much more comfortable yeah. than when it's ninety degrees and ninety percent humidity yeah, right, right. and.
0: You Eating spiderwebs. Oh, yeah, it's just bad. So we've we've gone this whole time without talking about beer yet. Yes, I feel like that's a disservice. I would like. So yeah, let's talk about how you got into brewing beer. Sure thing. So how did you get into brewing beer? (laughs) interesting question.
1: Funny you ask. (laughs) Um, So I was living in Boulder, Colorado, and out there, obviously, it's a craft beer. Mecca of sorts, and so I was actually exposed to good beer Yeah, yeah. early on.
0: Uh-huh. Why aren't we in Boulder? <laughs> craft beer? Great question. Beer? Oh, no. I can't Columbus. afford Boulder. This is one thing I want to talk to you about. The Columbus <laughs> craft beer scene has exploded. It really has. So we'll, we'll get there. I still want to hear wow. about the genesis of all this. Sure thing. Um, so I got
1: just into beer just being in Boulder, and I actually started doing some home brewing when I was out there, and got kind of into that, so I learned. you know, I. Studied some biology when I was out there. It was okay. literature and biology, some of the science behind it, and okay. kind of how it was made really interested me. Uh, I then spent a year in Scotland, and that really got me to see some of the different styles of beer from, from European environments. What, well. what
0: were you doing specifically in Scotland? I was you know? studying there. Oh, okay. Yes. Nice. So I basically took that year
1: off that would have been my junior year of college, and I went to India for six weeks and was climbing in the Himalaya. And then I moved to Scotland for like ten, whatever, a little less than a year, and took some courses at the University of Edinburgh over okay. there, and then transferred those back right. to CU Boulder, wow. and then went back, finished up school, did my student teaching out there in Boulder. Wow.
0: And uh, Yeah. That's, that's so cool. then, so then, how did you get? How did what? How did you get back to Ohio and get? Yeah, into why, the why, why, why did you? Yeah. Why did you come back here? <laughs>
1: that's that's kind of rough. Um, <laughs> So
0: at, so after,
1: after that, I was out in Denver and I did my student teaching, I was teaching out there and I got a job opportunity in Chile. So I took that in Santiago, Chile, I thought I'd spend about a year down there and spent four years down there.
0: Well, oh, okay. And you, were, you were teaching? I was okay. teaching, okay. yeah. So what were you I, teaching?
1: A few different things. So the first year I was down there, I was teaching other people how to be English teachers. Okay. okay. So okay. I was a TEFL course instructor. Oh, so okay. the one-month crash course. And, you have a college degree, you want to live somewhere cool and teach people how to teach English, yeah. you take this class of certification. Oh, so okay. I was an instructor for that course in Santiago. But then I want to work with kids again, so I applied to different bilingual international schools. And I fell in love with this little British school right up in the foothills in the mountains. And the only job they had available was a kindergarten position. <laughs> and they really liked me and I really liked them. Scott's teaching kindergarten. <laughs> That's pretty much what it came down to. That's um, where you, you learned patience. The following year, <laughs> there was a high school literature position over Oh, up. So you, okay, so you so, went from kindergarten to so, high school, <laughs> and the kindergarten teacher was pregnant and had the entire year off basically oh, for okay. leave. So they have a six-month uh, maternity leave, okay. and then based on timing of that, so their proposal to me was essentially, "Hey, come in and substitute teach oh, full time okay. kindergarten class, and that teacher will kind of help support you a little bit, and then next year we've got this high school lit position that you just slide into." Okay, and then. That was a really cool opportunity, and I so I taught kindergarten for a year, which was the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. <laughs> He's climbed a lot of mountains. The he had I've to do it it hard things, but. goes from
0: climbing Denali to teaching kindergarten. Teaching. I like that. Yeah,
1: and uh, yeah, but anyway, kindergarten the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, but it was yeah. also fantastically rewarding, right. and so happy I did it. I would never do it again, yeah. but I'm right. really happy I did that. And then, so I was down there for about four years, and I was thinking well, what to do next, and I, I thought I'd probably want to get my PhD, so actually nice. Ohio State had really good programs in both linguistics and comparative literature, sort of the area I was looking at yeah. going into. I came back here, and my dad had started the business you know, 30 years ago, and I kind of worked with him a little bit over the summer, and it was a little more interesting than I thought it was going to be, and then there was an opportunity to sort of open up my own business, in a similar sort of field and kind of learned that a little more okay. kind of fell into that and then a couple years later this happened
0: sort of opened up a brewery <laughs> <and> <laughs> some people um, how like have you yeah. like how wild is that has the brewery ride been i mean because I, I feel like columbus yeah. and I, I would really like your thoughts on this the, the craft beer scene in columbus has like exploded it really has so like like how I want to hear. I want to he- hear how that how that is from the owner of a brewery. Like, are you? I'm assuming you guys are experiencing like this boom in craft beer throughout like the city of Columbus. Yep. And like how, I don't know how is that. How long is that boom gonna last? Are we <laughs> at the Are we, are we at the, we, the we yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's it's
1: really an interesting sort of thing. I think uh, to some degree we can look to other more mature beer markets. That are like a little bit like Like, Denver, Boulder. That's what like
0: like comes to mind. Portland, Oregon,
1: Southern California, some place on the East Coast too. Um, Those those places when you think craft beer, you automatically go to. And what's interesting about all of those markets is they kind of go through, I would say, progressions. And a lot of it is actually about the consumer base Mm -hmm. being educated and knowing what's going on. And if you'd come to Columbus, like I moved back to Columbus about ten years ago, and the beer market here was largely uneducated.
0: Right. right. Of course, educated I would, people I agree here. Agree with that. Was few know, I, would, I moved back to Columbus in two thousand and nine. Like same time. I was two thousand seven. Yeah. yeah. and like there were I don't even know like you had Columbus Brewing Company that was it.
1: Yeah, Barley's Columbus Brewing. Yeah, and Barley's. Elevator, yeah. The only three around, yeah. and you know they're all decent breweries. Yeah. I really like Smokehouse and Barley's yeah. and all that. Yeah. Um. And you know you'd be lucky to find a Sierra Nevada on tap. Right. Or like yeah. I. Anywhere I'd go, I'd ask for Newcastle, because they always had a of one scroll away somewhere, <laughs> and that was pretty much your only option, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Uh, maybe Sam Adams or things like that, and it was hard to find new craft yeah. beer, so not many people knew about it. And then what happens is, you ride the IPA, right?
0: <laughs> yes, this is the I was so
1: waiting, I was waiting for us you to ride get the IPA. IPA. Yeah, You ride the IPA. And like we've got a great IPA. <laughs> <show. laughs> yeah. Endeavor brewing, Shaka <laughs> IPA. Yeah. Shameless plug. Oh, yes. Yeah, uh, uh, so heavily dry hop, not very bitter. This is actually Shaka Beach in New Zealand. Oh, that's the so same after the hops we use in this to dry hop it are from New Zealand actually. And I said, so all I, our cans I, kind of tell the story. And I definitely
0: like, wanted to ask the question yeah. of like what, what sets Endeavor Brewing apart from the rest. Yeah. And and I okay. know you took us on a tour and like you explained some stuff that like people we, like, people need to know about this. People need to know about this because it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I mean so with Endeavor we
1: got our three co-founders and we all have pretty significant international experience. Yeah. So my time in Chile and Scotland, our master brewer has his masters in brewing from Germany. Oh nice. He's from Northern California, he worked for North Coast. So okay. we you know World Rice yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, definitely. that's Cameron Lloyd's Awesome. Oh, for, that's your brewmaster? That's in? our brewmaster, oh. yeah. You <laughs> the other night. Um, and then Tyler Provo is another amazing young man who worked for a brewery in England, more brewing for a while. Oh, okay. Has connections in brewing in Italy and other parts of Europe. And so
0: we realized like that the, that powers that the powers power's sort of unites <laughs> us all. How did you meet those? How did you meet those other two guys?
1: Um, I met them around town. Okay. Uh, and the, the brewery that was here previously we yeah. all had connections right. to uh, in different different ways and components and we just Went okay. went from there, you know. Um, but like this lab logger that we're actually we're all drinking yeah, right it now, still, so it sort of tells our story. Delightful. Um, we so every single one of our beers we design holistically and from the ground up. A lot of breweries will make one or two types of yeah. beer and put different adjuncts in them. And call them fifteen different types of beer. Yeah. So a lot of times when you walk in, and there's twenty beers. Fifteen of them are IPAs. Right. That's what's. And happens. they just like chain, they cut them like a little bit with other stuff. Exactly right. Yeah. Uh, and so we have we have a three vessel brew house, which allows us to temperature control on mash. Meaning we can focus the body of the beer through temperature control. It's a kind of a technical process. Um, so for brewing geeks out there, you know exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> everyday people, maybe not so much. But we can make a true Hefeweizen, for example, like this. Because we can work with over 50% beer, handle the extra protein in there. Uh. But, so for example, our Latin lager, this uses barley from Chile, from Patagonia. And that was the inspiration for this beer. So I went to Cameron and Tyler and said, I found this barley, this malted barley from Patagonia that I would love to make a beer out of. And a really underserved category in craft beer were lagers, like nice, but quality, crisp, refreshing lagers. And so Cameron loved the idea. He, you get a little bit of a sweet corn tortilla flavor to it. Oh yeah, I tasted that. It's like a fajita. And so he uses a little bit of flaked corn in there to add that flavor and texture, and you can food. taste it. You can taste yeah. it, there, right? It's delicious. Yeah. Some people really like good. the corn syrup rice thing that you guys all probably heard about from the Super Bowl and stuff. Oh. Some people, oh, yeah. like, what, was, yeah.
0: what was that all about? That
1: was it's just—it's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. I, we're not going to go there. Okay? Uh, <laughs> Talk
0: but, about that uh, offline. Yeah. Corn, corn
1: in the North American brewing is actually really important. Right. Yeah. Basically, in the seventeen, eighteen hundreds, when immigrants from Europe were coming to the United States and North America as a whole the only barley they had access to was effectively hog feed. And so it didn't make good beer. It would make this really kind of thick, gross end product soupy beer, which wasn't really refreshing if you're a farmer in the Midwest or,
0: you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah. So what they found though is if they took the local cereal grain, corn, and used that in their mash bill, it would lighten up the recipe and then play well with that style of barley so they could then simulate some of the beers that they were used to drinking back in the old world. So us using corn in this is actually a nod to that history. And some people say, oh, well, it's cheaper, but the corn we use is actually a high-quality brewing flaked corn that's more expensive than partly we use. So it's it's actually (laughs) (laughs) a more expensive process and a more expensive ingredient to utilize. But we really like that kind of a texture and that little hint of corn tortilla that's added. And then if you think about like, you know Mexican lagers yeah. and Latin time kind of lagers. The first thing most people do is they, they put a little lime in that. Lime. Something. Yeah. So Cameron, our brewer, found a hop variety from New Zealand that has a real lime zest aroma to it. So he dry hops this beer with a little bit of that. So you actually get yeah, a little yeah. bit of a lime built oh, in. Oh, you can spell yeah. it. You can spell it. Yeah, right? yeah, like yeah, it. yeah, yeah. So he naturally builds in a lime yeah. using a natural hop ingredient sourced internationally, brewed locally.
0: On some of the best equipment with one of the best brewers. Right? Yeah. Um, you already started going into this, but one thing I'm, I'm always curious, and you really you talked about it with this beer, but the the process of creating a new like a new beer. Yeah. So does that start with like you like one day you're like I know this barley from Patagonia or something? Is that how is that how it happens? You know, it's that's the fun part of the job. Yeah. You know, it's well, kind of going through fun. that stuff. Um, <laughs>
1: and we get we get inspiration and genesis from all sorts of different angles. Yeah. So for example, the Latin Lager, yeah, it was like, "Hey, I want to use this ingredient right. to make this style of beer that's underserved in yeah. the craft market." And then where does that go? Like follow the lead and see where it takes yeah. you. Um, other things are more like oh, like so for example, the half a So We need we need a wheat beer yeah. that appeals right. to the people that drink that. We need an IPA. How can we make this the best ingredient list, the best version of what we want it to be, what we envision it to be. Some it's just kind of driven by the market yeah. and based on expected styles. And other things are just pure dumb fun. Right? <laughs> like, uh, my wife and I, this last year, we took a trip together. Uh, so we've done this thing. You guys will probably appreciate this. Now that we're parents, <laughs> rather than give each other crap every year, we're going to start taking a trip together between our yes, birthdays. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we do that. Yeah. Absolutely. And the wrinkle my wife added to it was that we're going to start taking years planning those trips, but not telling the other person where
0: we're going. Oh, that's oh, that that's is. sweet. So sweet.
1: this last year was my year to plan. Okay. You take it you know, 20,000
0: <laughs> Yeah. 20, feet. <laughs> no, we did not do
1: that. <laughs> but, uh, we went to Iceland. So oh, She got a nice. dates and she got a packing list. Oh, that's but, awesome. And didn't find out till we got to the airport gate. That is so good. That's so good. That's romantic
0: too. Yes. Where were we?
1: <laughs> um So anyway, we were there, and we're actually with REI on March 20th. Uh, okay. Sign up for it when you see it posted. They're, they're going to be coming here. we do an Iceland travel. Oh, no! Nice. Nice. Awesome. If you're in yeah. the central Ohio area, check that out. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's we cool. are, in the next week or two, brewing a pilot batch in our little uh, one-barrel system over here. For that event, so an Icelandic inspired beer. Oh, Icelandic so is so hot right now.
0: What's an Icelandic
1: Cancel. inspired beer? So, most of the beers when I was over there, uh, it's really expensive when you're there, yeah. by the way, so the beers were like 15 to $25. Oh, dollars it's that expensive. China it's prices. Oh, wow. It's nuts. Yeah, <laughs> so I didn't have a lot of volume of beer over okay, there. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's and, fair. Uh, the, the pro trip tip is buy the beer at duty free going into the country. Oh, and there are a few places you can that purchase before you enter. And then we rented a camper van yeah. and just drove around oh, no, the that's... island for nine days. There's oh, definitely that. a
0: few popular backpacking YouTubers that have done that as well. Yes. So and people are very inspired by the van life right now. Yeah. Van life is spectacular. So that's right the way now. to see yeah, yeah van life so hard so <laughs> so that <bad>.
1: Hansel. <laughs> <laughs> anyway um, so yeah, so I, a lot of the Iceland beers that we found had a few things in common. So a little bit of wheat is okay. pretty typical for like a Northern European climate, I guess. Uh, Anastar is a big spice, like Icelandic Anastar, never that, which yeah. is like the flavor in black licorice. Okay. Oh, okay. So that kind of flavor, but it's more of a mild, less sharp. Okay. There's like it's a lot kind of, of like
0: European liqueurs that- Yes, you know, that, that utilize that. that, that,
1: that. that like the aquavits and yeah, things like that, in right. Scandinavian sort of culture. Um, and then sage for whatever reason. So we're secondly brewing a light, approachable, slightly weeded beer with some Anastar and some sage. We're working out the recipe yeah, concept, but it will be a beer wow. like that. inspired by.
0: So uh, I'm assuming like the, the the testing process is pretty fun. <laughs> like your master brewer does he does he like yeah. like how does it work? Does he like create like a couple different varieties and you guys all test them all and you're like, oh, I like this one, and then like the recipe kind of gets engineered towards that, is that how it works? Yeah, so it,
1: that kind of, that takes a few different processes depending on yeah. what we're doing. So if these tanks behind us are 20 barrel tanks, they make 40 kegs at a time. Okay. 40 standard half barrel kegs. We also have a pilot brewery that makes one keg and then one smaller keg. That's so a kind of testing technology. facility? Yeah. yeah, and that's in this room over to okay. our right. So actually, to your left, by our garage door, there's a tank right there that's fermenting away also. That's a uh, batch of beer called Columbus Gives Bock. It's a My Bock, <laughs> and Columbus Bock Back is a local charitable organization, okay. uh, and we brewed that beer with them as a charitable thing. They're having their 10th year anniversary here at our brewery, here in March, and we're talking about actually brewing a big batch of
0: beer with them, where a portion of all the sales will go to their organization to fund local So charity. this brewery is like, I mean, it's giving back as well? Oh yeah,
1: every bit that we can. That's Um, that's so awesome. We, every single, so my wife is our charity coordinator. Nice. And every single Wednesday, instead of having a happy hour, we give $1 for every one of our beers to a charity. Yeah, Yeah, I did see that. And we partner with different local charities, and we promote them and want them to come in and participate in the beers with us and do things We love the charities that want to participate and want to engage with the community that we can then engage with and then we can help them out a little bit and throw them a buck from every beer. That's awesome.
0: Um, Another thing, Andy and I were, we were actually talking about this on the drive over is, so if you're not familiar with the Columbus area, this this brewery and bar specifically is is known as a Columbus Crew slash soccer bar. Yes. How, we were talking about this, like how, why? Wh- wh- how did soccer and craft beer get so associated with each other? It's, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> like, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Like it's like definitely a thing. Yeah. And soccer's so European and Europe isn't like, it's not like a super craft brew place. It's a,
1: yeah, so, so it's funny because Europe never had prohibition. Right, so what yeah. they didn't have a plowing of the field, so to speak. Uh-huh. So their, their big beers are much better quality in general than our big beers. Like, like Scotland like has- a Bud Versus like a Budweiser or something? Yeah, okay. Yeah, versus give me a McEwen's anything Yeah, new, right. which is Scotland's national brand kind of thing. Um, so that's one thing that they have going for them, so to speak. But you've got to remember I mean, that soccer is sort of the world's game. Right, right. It is right. the most popular sport right. in almost every region of and if it's not the most, it's normally number two. Yeah. You know, uh, the United States is the exception of where it's like right. five or six on the list, but it's a very passionate and growing sort of yeah. fan base. Especially in Columbus, I feel like. Especially big, in Columbus, yeah. I think it's funny that also like a lot of times I'm a huge soccer fan and supporter myself. One of the first things I did when I moved back to Columbus was buy a season ticket to Columbus Crew. Nice. So I've been a, I've been a season ticket holder nice. since 2007 or nice. it when I moved back, and I'm a huge of a few other teams around the yeah. world as well, Liverpool, we do, uh, and Heart of the Lothian, which is a Scottish team, uh-huh. and Chilean national team, and of course the U.S. national team. So part of it is just like, we like soccer. Yeah. We yeah. genuinely like watching it. Yeah. So of course we're going to help support that community. Yeah. From my point of view, uh, how is it? Civilization and fermentation really end. <laughs> yeah, that's so, true. If you think yeah, about the reason why beer, wine, and other fermented beverages or necessary is when you have a concentration of people living in an area, you suddenly don't have access to clean water. Right, right. In the fermentation process, the alcohol cleans your yeah, water. it sterile. These are keeps it sterile. Keeps it keep it sterile. Yeah. And so, you, you early, in early history, you couldn't have large population groups of people, and in an agrarian society, living without fermentation of alcohol. Okay. So, what is your what is your dominant source of sugar? whether that's grapes in the Mediterranean mm-hmm. or fruit, or whether it's grain in Europe, uh, rice in Asia, you know, things like that. It's also a conversion of an easily storable caloric content. So you're taking things that would otherwise spoil and you're converting them to usable calories mm-hmm. that are storable, right? So civilization and fermentation go hand in hand. It's also a social lubricant. So it really is about community yeah. uniting people. So here we I like to constantly about and get our staff and we're all on the same page here that it's about supporting communities. Yeah. We're ne- we never ask, what can we get from you as a community? We always ask, how can we help support you as a community? Uh, because we're international, because all of our beers use ingredients that are true to sour. Hefeweizen uses ingredients from Germany. Our Irish stout uses malt from Ireland. You know, our Latin lager uses uh, Patagonian barley. Mm-hmm soccer is the world's game, and that's a community yeah. that we can support. So, you know, save the crew, have all the meetings here. yeah. The yeah organization, right, yeah. really, this has been the home base for them, and our, my whole thing to them the entire time is, what do you need from us? What can we do to support you? Uh, the outdoor community, that was my, that's something my else I'm passionate about. That's next question. And that's something that's my next project, is yeah. trying to build back Yeah. So working with REI, working with Vertical Adventure, doing yeah. stuff. It's, I'm passionate about it. Yeah. It's on brand for us and it's a community that we can support. So if there's someone in the outdoor community that needs our support in any way, as long as it's legal and we can do it, it's done. That's just my answer.
0: I will say Andy and I have, we spent a lot of time in the, in the beer scene in Columbus <laughs> and this is the first brewery that was, it was more like Outdoor theme, like outdoor culture, so we naturally like grabbed it. So, my question, which you kind of already answered, was how did the relationship with REI like start? So, that's really funny. (laughs) Uh,
1: We, so I, if I pull up the app on my phone, it'll show you that I'm, I've been a member of REI since nineteen ninety seven, <laughs> which is twenty one years. My junior senior year of high school, nice. basically. So I bought my first real pack from REI. Nice. Mail order catalog. They didn't have any stores in Ohio.
0: Yeah, I never. I didn't yeah, even yeah, hear about didn't from REI until I went out to so, Colorado. Like yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Their flagship is you know Seattle right, and definitely right, The two right. flagship stores starting in Seattle. And uh, I literally bought it from the catalog, you know, got a membership. It was a nice Mountain Smith pack, Golden, Colorado made, they are made in Golden, you know, and uh, it was my first real backpack. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so I've been a member of REI, big fan of the way they treat their people, yeah. their environmental ethos, yeah, their sure. yeah. unquestionable return policy, they back their goods. The return policy. They treat sense. their people well, yes, they, they do, do business the right way, and they back their products. Yeah. You know, I worked at a couple of gear shops through through college as well. And I'm kind of a gearhead in a lot of ways. We'll get there. Uh, there. But I so I've always loved REI and just the way they do business. You know? And uh, so we were up at REI stores. We kinda go up there. Just kinda poke around. Right, right. right. That's That's the thing. Oh, yeah. The The whole channel does that. There are two stores. I'm not a shopper. I don't like malls. I don't like crap, but Two shops where I can spend hours in is a bookstore and a gear shop, yeah. and I'm I'm as happy as a clam. I'll just poke around for hours. We were up there last year with our son, who's kind of running around, and uh, Megan, my wife, and I. And we started talking to a couple of their employees, and then actually when we were doing some pre-trip shopping for our Iceland trip. So I told my wife, well, you're going to need a new soft-shell pair of pants, and you'll need a new pair of rain pants because hers are in Colorado at my parents' house. It's <laughs> like, well, we just get another pair. So we're shopping for a few very specific items where she has no idea where she's going, but needs some things. Yeah. And so I was telling the REI associate well, where, she where we she's was going. going. Yeah. But, yeah. My wife's name is Meg, yeah. and the person at REI was named Meg also. Yeah, okay. And we started talking, and Meg had just been to Iceland. So oh, it was perfect. like this insider yeah. thing about, I think they Iceland, may be helping to teach that reason. Iceland travel thing with Ariadne. Yeah, uh, okay. So, okay, okay. Uh, awesome person, we started talking yeah. and we st- mentioned that, hey, we're, you know, we own Endeavor Brewing down here and oh, well we should do something together. So she put us in touch with Abby who does their yeah, outreach yeah. stuff yeah. and marketing and we just started that genesis of let's start doing stuff together. And the first one was your guys' event. Oh, oh that's it. Turned nice. out really okay. well. We're doing the Iceland travel here in March. We're talking about doing a long trail series of wow. getting people who have hiked AT, C D T and Yeah, and when you find
0: out those people's names, let us know. Well you've
1: hiked five hundred miles in the C D T, yeah. so are you yeah, are yeah. you one of the Well <laughs> Yeah, so I, I told Abby that I'd be happily happily talk about my experience. That was almost twenty years ago. That was in uh, two thousand and one or two or whatever that was. And you know, I did a Colorado section. It's right. changed a lot since then. She was having trouble finding people who have done the whole thing, but i since actually, talking about this, have met several other people. There's a guy uh, talking to it at Vertical Adventures the other day who's done both the PCT and the A-Team who's planning a CDT hike. Oh, nice. He knows a couple of buddies who've done the CDT, we so. Yeah, can we get a, a BSC and
0: we'll do three of us and then that guy? Well, of course, yes, <laughs> yeah, you uh, here? fantastic. Um, yeah.
1: I'd, I'd love to bring him in, and he's a beer guy too. Yeah, yeah we so, would love to do that, absolutely. That'd be great.
0: Yeah, we, uh, maybe one day we'll, we're, we always joke about how we're going to be those retired long trail through hikers. Yeah, are guys. you are you, uh, are you a, thir- do you have that like mindset of you getting on one of those long trails? Is that something you want to do? You know, it would be amazing.
1: It's hard now that I'm a dad right. Right? and knowing, and especially I'm, I'm past 40. So, you know, you slow down a little bit. Um, I'm also when I'm backpacking something like that, I'm very much a an ultralight guy. Like, so when I did those 500 miles in the CDT, I made my backpack, my quilt, and my okay. tarp shelter. <laughs> Hold on, and, and my so from good. Keep skin talking, but we're gonna come back to okay. that. <laughs> <laughs> My from-skin-out load was under 10 pounds before food-fueling. Yeah, nice. So it was really, I'm, I'm a spreadsheet packer. Yeah. Like for any of my trips, I literally pack on a spreadsheet with weights and everything for travel or backpacking or climbing. But then I'm also like, I don't like to plan the trip itself. I like the beginning and the end point oh, okay. planned yeah. Yeah. and figure out the middle. Right. So I like to be anal and organized when you're packing so you can be free yeah. and not plan your trip itself. Does that make sense? Yeah, you've got to
0: start a YouTube channel and your <laughs> subscribers <laughs> are just planning your trips for you. That's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's what we're <laughs> experiencing right <laughs> now. Yeah, it's yeah. really nice. They tell us where to resupply. Yeah. They awesome. oh, wow. offer to pick us up from the airport. <laughs> <fantastic>. <laughs> yeah. Question, question. How did you get into making your own gear? That's a huge thing in the gear community right now. Making my own gear. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah it's it's funny because it wasn't always that cool.
0: It's very cool now. It's, it's super cool now. I know. It's very cool um, now. You're doing it I I before. see
1: Endeavor well, Gear Company. It's it's weird <laughs> that like many of the things that I was into when I was younger. Um, were considered very nerdy at the time. Yeah, we're old man, old, and now as a forty year old man, I wish I were a twenty year old man. and <laughs> Do all the same stuff because, like, I I love fantasy books like Lord of the Rings, yeah. and like I. Played Dungeons and Dragons when I was a kid. Oh, super! And nerdy. now it's popular. It's yeah, cool, you yeah. know, and like soccer was seen as being kind of yeah, soccer's cool now. Yeah. Now yeah. it's cool. And beer, yeah. craft beer, yeah. you make your homebrew. That's right. Funny. And now it's cool. Yeah. And then gear and backpacking, outdoor stuff is now super cool. Anyway, so I was uh, first few years of college, and throughout college, I, I led trips for the hiking club and the outdoor programs. so nice. So did some you know light organization trip stuff. And as a result, I got pro deals. So I had really nice equipment for right. 50%, yeah. 42% of cost, nice. as long as you ordered it quarterly yeah, you know, right. and all that stuff. But then, it was just sort of, mountaineering's different, you know, because you have, the more you carry, the more you have to overbuild stuff. Right. So when you have to carry ropes, and you have to carry pickets, yeah. ice axes and crampons and a track, yeah. and you know, all that stuff, you then do need a fully framed pack. But when you start talking about just Backpack, right, right? You don't need that stuff, and so the lighter you can go, the more you can cover, the less wear and tear in your body, the less all that stuff. So I really started uh, looking into that stuff, and there's Ray Jardine really yeah. started yeah, that yeah. movement yeah, yeah. back in the yeah. '90s. You know, a engineer, yeah. he invented the the cam for wild country. Yeah, right, right. And he was selling like patterns to make your own gear too, was he? He did he? eventually, but before yeah. he ever did, I think he still does that okay. um, at his website, he had a couple of books out. So there's a Pacific Crest through hikers manual that turned into like Beyond Backpacking. Mean, that's around the time that I started reading his stuff and then he had like some ideas for different gear and, and it was just sort of like, well, hey, you know, I can eBay a lot of this expensive, nice equipment yeah. that I have. and make buy a used sewing machine right. and stuff and make money on the transaction and actually get gear that is better yeah. and better suited for the type of trip that I was planning to do. This was this 500 mile kind of divide trip. So I made a backpack and I made a quilt and I made a tarp tent and all that stuff really then enables you to go down. Yeah. The cool thing is now you can commercially buy right. all right, right, that right. stuff. Right. GoLite was like the first company yeah, that really good. GoLite. Yeah, um, started doing that stuff on a, on a real yeah. level, but then they kept getting heavier and more overbuilt to follow yeah. the market because no one wanted to buy, really like that at the time. Yeah, it was a small niche market. Exactly. Yeah. But now there's Cuban fiber, there's yeah. like all these super ultralight stuff that people are down to insane pack loads. Yep. And you know, back at the time, if you wanted that, you had to make it yourself. Yeah, that's yeah, so true. And which I was happy to do, but that actually gave me a really good appreciation for sewing quality yeah. and materials, and kind of understanding some of the mechanics of those. The stuff I made was
0: not pretty, but it was functional. Yeah. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm not a. Swel- so you made your whole, you made your pack, your tarp, and quilt. your quilt. So you yep. made your big three effectively. Yeah. What did you, what did you, what were you using? Sill like. Sew nylon. 1.1 okay. ounce nylon okay. for
1: the tarp. I used a, uh, it was like a 200 denier ripstop for side the pack. A little bit of a. 3.30 uh, Dyneema, reinforced yeah. oh, for the okay. bottom of the pack in the back, Yeah, uh, used a foam ridge rest for the structure of the pack, then also doubles the sleeping system. Yeah. Do you still have all this stuff? I have, I believe, the, the seal nylon tarp, I still do. Okay. Um, yeah, it's 20 years old at this yeah, point. Uh, I still have that, yeah. and I think I still have the backpack, the quilt. I have gone through a couple iterations of it, and now I have a commercially produced down thermoristical that uh-huh. I use, because it does take hours and time. Right, right? Right. I can buy the same thing, and now my time is so much more valuable
0: and tight than it ever was. We'd rather have you brewing beers yeah. than making your own gear. Well, Not, you know. We like, <laughs> would. Um, it's like a new local gear company. That's true. That's true. <laughs> what a, in terms of gear, like, what this is as awesome as your gearhead, like us, like, what is like if you're going out, what is exciting you about gear? If I was like, go buy the most exciting thing that you're pumped about, what would it be? Um,
1: oh goodness! I so I have, I'm a sucker for packs right. and jackets. Yes. are kind of my two biggest. <laughs> yeah. things. and that's just casual yeah. or whatever. So I'm always excited about that next kind of thing. Um, I tend to appreciate simplicity in yes. gear design, though. Yeah. I think that. And I think we're living in a golden age of that now. Yeah. So back in the '90s and turn of the millennia, it was all about overbuilt, tons super of pockets, give yeah. 90 liters, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, and you needed all this big, crazy, heavy crap yeah. that you never actually need in the mountains, you know? Um, and this obsession with waterproofness yeah. that, like, in the backcountry, waterproofness doesn't really matter. Yeah. It's about smart packing. It's right. about knowing how to use your layers. And when things do wet, get wet, or moist, or damp. How you then yeah. treat them, use them, right. layer, dress, yeah. leave, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so being obsessed with things that don't make a big difference doesn't make sense to yeah. me. But yeah, so jackets, a huge fan of, uh,
0: backpacks. Uh, just, Are you a, uh, I'm assuming you're a tent camper? I, tart well, tent like, and tart. Like, like yeah. uh okay, so you're a your, 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 your cowboy, your cowboy, your cowboy camper maybe?
1: You sleep on the ground? You sleep on the ground. Yes. As opposed to hammocks. Which is right. Right. I was going to say, have you, have you ever tried a hammock? I have. I tend to be a side and belly sleeper.
0: Um, works. Be- belly sleeping. Work? So side sleeping for sure works. Yeah. Because yeah. we're side sleepers. I don't okay. though, So Belly sleeping, people do it. Belly sleeping would be the weird, I don't know if I would tell yeah. the belly sleeper tip, but you should, yeah, you, got, you should try it once. It. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, an especially this
1: part of the world, it'd be great yeah, I mean, in the true. desert. Or, yeah, yeah. Or red. Red. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, or even the mountains.
0: Yeah, if, if we ever yeah. luckily get on the PCT, which is our well, goal, we, we would yeah. tent. We'd yeah. have yeah. to tent or, the or first tarp part of for it. a while. Yeah, but one of the comments that you made, which I completely agree with, is about the simplicity. Yeah. like yeah. simplicity is is just so much easier to deal with and so much better on the trail, in my opinion. Like yeah, there's some organizational freaks out there and like, you know, hike your own hike, carry whatever you want to carry as long as it gets you out, but you know those packs with like 10 million pockets and like, you know, every bell and whistle? Yeah. I I, I mean, we're always challenging people like- Literally the whistles. Yeah, Yeah. like literally, they do have whistles on there, yeah. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) uh, we're gonna open up a can of worms with with crapping on whistles, so. Yeah. And I'm gonna have to answer those comments. That's true.
1: And that's a safety thing. Right. right. Yeah. That's a great understatement. Yeah. That does um,
0: make sense. But what uh what's on tap for you in 2019 in terms of trips? Is that like what are you planning? He can't say. He can't say. Well, well, we would. We well, it's your wife's turn to say. Yeah, yeah. So the
1: point is, my wife should be organizing something yeah. sometime around or between our birthdays. She's okay. August. I'm October. Okay. Um. So I don't know. Uh, we will be. We're going out to Colorado in April. Craft Brewers Conference is out there, so oh. I get to go there for work. And I'll spend a week out there. Uh, my parents are gonna be out there for a while, my wife and kid, uh, I'll meet up with some friends. I'll do some light hiking, yeah, day yeah. kind of stuff, maybe maybe get a fourteen or a thirteen or in while I'm out there. It's really yeah, just all those in it's, it's <laughs> not as awesome. hard as it's, <laughs> it's very <laughs> no. approachable. Um, Literally approachable. <laughs> yeah, and uh, then I'll probably get back out to Colorado sometime in the summer as well, and do a, maybe do a few more things out there. Last summer I rode out on a motorcycle. And oh, on a motorcycle yeah. trip out there. And God, you do a lot of cool. It, stuff. And then we plan to get back down to Chile with our son at the end of the year, when it's winter again, means it's summer time. Oh, okay, yeah, that's cool. Some fault, oh, okay. and then the whatever trip Meg takes us on. Uh, uh, where do you where
0: do you think your wife's going to take you? Ooh, I really have absolutely no, no idea. idea. So
1: the challenge I gave her, she, she gave me a few requirements for the last trip you know, that she would like. And one was a, what was not she would like a hike to okay. be involved she would like a beach to be involved. Iceland has beaches, <laughs> counts, <laughs> Counts. Right. and sure. um, and then she wanted like a day to just relax. And so we actually went to one of the spas down there where you're like the natural thermal yeah, pool yeah. Nice. and like, so black sand beach, thermal pool, and hiking in Iceland. So, you know, maybe not exactly what she had in mind, yeah. but also ticks all the boxes. And my one thing that I requested for her is, let's go somewhere where I haven't been here.
0: That's wow, gotta man. be hard. Watch, wow. wow. she takes me <laughs> to like Tampa or something. <laughs> We're That's going to so Orlando. We're going to Toledo.
1: <laughs> I hear Des Moines, Iowa, <laughs> this time of year. Disney World. <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, so we'll see.
1: We'll see where she takes us. Um, I'm sure it'll be
0: amazing. Yeah.
1: and we actually have a lot of Chase Ultimate Rewards points ready to, uh, ready to use. There you go.
0: Good, uh, good travel miles. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Are you uh so I am assuming like are you are you more excited to do mountaineering based trips than kind of backpacking based trips? Like that's your more your thing. You know, I there was definitely a time in my life where that was
1: yeah. the case, but for me it's more about the trip as a whole, yeah. you know what I mean? And kind of the journey is the trip. Yeah. And something that, what's wow. nice about a mountaineering trip, especially on a big mountain, so like Kilimanjaro, Aconcagua, Denali, it's something that you have to plan and get in the calendar six months to a year ahead of time. Yeah. So it gives you a date to actually train for, and I hate gyms, I hate, I love doing stuff, but I hate just working out to work out. Right. But if I have something to train for, then suddenly I'm motivated. I can do that, I can get on that stair step and put pack weight on when I have that date in the calendar. And what's really nice about that is it's three weeks and you have a specific goal where it's sort of, the itinerary, itinerary is almost decided for you because you only have so many ways yeah, you can approach yeah, yeah, doing yeah. this, you know what I mean? Uh, but other types of adventures, just appeal to me. Yeah. You know, so maybe that's a jungle trek or maybe that's exploring ruins or exploring cities, uh, motorcycle trips, yeah. backpacking. It, it all kind of has the same genesis of spirit, you know. And that's really what it's all about. So.
0: Awesome. so one of the things you brought up too was and I'm gonna switch the subject here. So let's say we're backpacking in Ohio, middle of summer, ninety degrees, ninety <laughs> percent humidity and I've been taking spiderwebs to the face all day. Yep. What type of beer are you recommending to, to pair with that experience? To
1: pair with that, oh man. Um, I'm actually gonna say this Latin lager. This is, It's very crisp, it's well, I'm, 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 I have the idea, I'm on the shotgun now. Cause this is crisp, very crisp. and refreshing yes. and clean and when it's hot, it's gotta be ice cold, yeah, it's yeah. gotta be this beer you can actually kind of warm up and get some more nuanced flavors yeah. out of, but you, know, you don't want a stout, you don't want something like that. <laughs> Spider want... and stouts. Stout at stout ninety degrees.
0: <laughs> so Andy brings up a great point though, and this is something we kind of talked about with Abby at REI a couple weeks ago. But there's like this weird thing with outdoors and craft beer. Yeah. Not weird, I guess. You um, just you wouldn't think those two things go hand in hand, but but beer like craft beer goes so great in the outdoors. It does. But what like 10 years ago before the craft beer scene really yeah. exploded, you wouldn't have been, you wouldn't have thought like you're taking a beast on the trail, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't think like, oh, hey, backpacking yeah. craft beers, hiking craft beers. But I think totally. over the last 10 years, like glo- like nationally, at least like the out, maybe because maybe because the genesis of craft beers has come but from areas where it's like very outdoorsy. But it's your mindset. It's what you're talking about community. And like yeah. local and you know, the types of community that, you know, these I don't know, the types of community where you live and like the types of businesses that support those communities. And,
1: and I think there's another element here. So if you think about craft beer and you think about outdoorsy stuff, and you think about soccer, for example. Yeah. And even fantasy, you know, Dungeons and Dragons. Another perfect yeah. example. That stuff for so long was almost this element of our culture that were kind of outsiders pun. you know? They were almost like their own individual cliques that kind of had to find each other. And craft beer was that way for a long time where most people didn't get it. They're like, oh, it tastes pretty good to me, you know? But they didn't understand it, and so you had to surround yourself with like-minded people. Same thing with backpacking. You know, for now, it's becoming kind of cool, but 10 years ago, that wasn't really the case. And same thing with soccer. Same thing with these other elements. And so you almost have this mindset of, our community is doing this thing that's really cool that we know about, and those two things go hand in hand. Yeah. You know, and that, I think some of that mentality appeals to itself. You know,
0: so game the, knows game. The, uh, the the next logical question is: Have you guys started testing the Shill Brothers pale <laughs> No, we're going Shill brother. Brothers staff, Maybe <laughs> I have. Been, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> he wasn't even aware you're supposed to be brewing that. <laughs> Are you guys home-brewing? No, oh, okay. No,
1: no, no. Oh, okay. No, no. oh, you're it's talking about totally a We should absolutely <laughs> do a beer together. <laughs> you don't have to tell uh, us twice. <laughs> um, so we should set that up, because our, our master bro, Cameron, loves climbing and other kinds of yeah. things. He's like big into skateboarding, and he does like quad skating. It's oh. like a big, like not blades, quads. So oh he's yeah. He's out there doing like you tricks know, on and stuff. You that's making
0: come back too. Yeah, yeah I've all seen that as well. well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, he rides motorcycles too, he yeah. likes all that stuff. Um but we should have you guys come in and design a recipe oh, and like man. do one of these
0: <laughs> sure. while right. we're brewing that beer. Would be awesome.
1: <laughs> and then a few weeks later, we release that beer in our mm-hmm. tap room. And it'll be in kegs, not cans, obviously. Perfect. We'll <laughs> that's a, that's our style. All right. <laughs> kegs, let's <laughs> do it. Yeah. Um, this
0: is too limiting for us. <laughs> uh, should, we, should we do the lightning round? Lightning round. So lightning round, Scott, we're going to ask you a ton of questions that just come to us randomly. In the, Point is just don't think. Okay. So just respond. Okay. Let me get a new beer for this. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Right. yes yeah. and, then, and then tell us what you're drinking.
1: All right, I'm gonna go with the Shaka IPA after the Latin Lager. Again, this is an IPA low on bitterness, high on flavors, dry hopped with hops from three continents. New Zealand is featured on the can here. Shaka, of culture. Nice. Uh, and again, there's a Sasquatch on every can, and since this is in New Zealand, yeah, there's, there's a also yeah. a Hobbit. Hidden there
0: appears the to be a mountain lion too. That's like a puma. Yeah. A oh, puma. Okay, Jaguar, so. puma. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You're trail running in Colorado. <laughs> Get attacked by a ju- juvenile mountain lion. <laughs> How do you kill it? With your bare hands. <laughs> <laughs> dancer. Yeah. Perfect dancer. Perfect <laughs> it's a proven technique now. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's actually been successful. Uh, IPA or lager?
1: lager. God, think, God lager.
0: Think, okay. Lager. lager or stout? Stout. Yes. Well, I gotta keep asking now. Yeah. Or frameless or framed. Frameless. Oh. Carbon fiber or aluminum.
1: Carbon fiber. What context? You know, obviously. I don't know. <laughs> Dear. <laughs> Dear. Dear. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, down or synthetic? Down. Nice. And, and and you've been so I'm gonna I'm gonna take this conversation okay, sure. for a second. So you've been in a lot of like wet climates like Argentina and stuff. Huh. Did, did you, you know, were you able to like get through it with down just fine? Did you switch to synthetic at all? Any? So the beautiful thing about mountaineering yeah. is because when it's, you're at altitude,
1: yeah, it's frozen. Nothing rains. It's, it's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So down, 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 okay, down. Okay, okay. And especially the weight and the compressibility. Now, right. yeah. Pacific Northwest or Patagonia probably a different story there again my quote that i made synthetic because you don't have to do you don't have you actually don't require to independently isolate chambers like you do with down. right it's a sheet of material that doesn't require real uh Baffles. I was to say yeah. you don't need baffles. No in internal any? baffles are okay, required yeah. for most synthetic installations. I didn't know that. The newer synthetic inst- installations like Patagonia's new micropuff right, that right. are independent that yeah. function like down, you know. Yeah. So we have some revolutionary synthetics that are in the market now. They're actually kind of changing yeah. the game. And then the dry down stuff also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, materials are just so much better. Right. But it really is about packing properly. and the way I see it, your quilt or your sleeping bag. If you're packing it properly, there's no reason why you shouldn't keep that dry at all times. Right. Right. So for me, the compressibility and the weight advantage and the longevity of down, because once you compress synthetic insulation, you lose permanently a good percentage of its loft. Mm -hmm. And so you never really want to fully compress it. Down, much more expandable, and just the weight, you know, and and all that stuff alone is huge. Um, Tottenham or Liverpool? Liverpool. That's right, right. But this is this is known as a Totten bar. It is so. So just, do you hate them? No, no. Okay, so so I lived when I lived in Edinburgh. I had a few flatmates who taught me to be a Liverpool supporter before I really understood soccer. You know, I was twenty one at the time, almost twenty years ago. So I've been a Liverpool supporter. The rest of my life since that time uh, the tottenham group has their official columbus supporters
0: group I, that's how i the, my in-laws were in town they're like we're going to the Tottenham bar nice. i was like what yeah. uh, we're going to Denver." i was like oh i was just there right. <laughs> a week ago yeah. yeah and
1: it's sort of like uh, my whole thing again supporting communities yeah. we are we're not a soccer bar we're an international community right. bar right. soccer fits into that right. just like the outdoors world fits yeah. into that and so we will support soccer and soccer groups, period. But what I've made clear to anyone and everyone is, I don't want infighting. I'm a Liverpool guy, but we still allow Manchester United. (laughs) And I consider a few of them friends, you know, when we're not playing each other. And then we'll be friends afterward. But the Tottenham guys are great, and Tottenham's a team that, as a Liverpool supporter, you don't have to hate. You know what I mean? And so I actually appreciate the way they play. They do things the right way. They're not a big spending team yeah. like a couple of the other modern billionaire kind of <laughs> teams. Uh, they play football in a really good way. The people that come here and support it are great too. So nothing but respect for them. The only time I don't like time are when Liverpool are playing them that's directly.
0: Fair, that's fair. And after the match, I'll buy the guys a beer. That's fair. Them.
1: we have a we have a good Liverpool supporter group here as well
0: so so. yeah I mean we're clearly going to have a part two because you are just a wealth of knowledge so (laughs) we we should all encourage Scott to probably start his own YouTube channel because he's a lot more interesting than us (laughs) (laughs) Um, but seriously thank you for taking the time to talk to us thank you for hosting our event Thank thank you for brewing very good craft beer. And supporting the local Columbus yeah. outdoor community, and, and those of you in Ohio and Central Ohio. I mean, if you're not here, like I don't, I don't know. Check out a Denver that. Brewing. Like you got to get over here. And then where can where can people buy your beer outside of the brewery?
1: Yeah, so we just released these lovely cans, cans two weeks B0 ago 12. to the market. Uh, we've had about 20 to 25 places take delivery of them right, and okay. starting to put them out on shelves. Okay, cool. So those will start to pop up around town. Nice. Uh, we'll be at a few of the bigger store locations, Giant Eagle, Whole Foods, okay. within the near future, but those take a little longer right. to get into their systems and everything. Um, look for us, ask for us at stores. Okay. But the best thing in the community is if people start asking okay. specifically for our beer, Wherever you go, I mean that, that helps us out more than anything. You can always buy our beer in cans right from the tap room here in the Grandview area. Uh, yeah, and then growing number of bars and restaurants also right we've got on tap.
0: So if you are in the Columbus, Ohio area or you're traveling through, please stop here, grab a beer. This is a great place. Uh, it's a great supporter of the community. Yeah, we always talk about like support support the the, the companies that support us. So we're a big fan of that, and obviously. So, um, we beer, so, we love, we love beer. It's fantastic. It's just an excuse to us to come to a brewery again. It's fantastic. Uh, Scott, thank you so yeah, much for taking the time to talk to us. We really appreciate it. And we will catch everybody on the next episode of, uh, Backcountry BS It. maybe we'll be in a brewery brewery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>